So this morning we're here to worship the Lord and honor our moms. Not only are we commanded to honor our moms, but it's also a sensible and loving thing to do. Amen? And many of us here today wish we still had our mothers living so that we can honor them, remember them, and love them. I came across this illustration as I was putting the message together. A young six-year-old boy, separated from his mother in a supermarket, began to call frantically, Martha, Martha, Martha. That was his mother's name, and she came running to him quickly. But honey, she said, you shouldn't call me Martha. I'm mother to you. Yes, I know, he answered, but this store is full of mothers. (laughs) Someone once wrote, you've turned into a mom when? You automatically double knot everything you tie. You find yourself humming the Barney song as you do the dishes. You hear a baby cry in the grocery store. You start to gently sway back and forth, back and forth. However, your children are either at school or long gone. You actually start to like the smell of strained carrots mixed with applesauce. You spend a half an hour searching for your sunglasses only to have your teenage child say, Mom, why don't you wear the ones you pushed up on your head? You're out for a nice romantic meal with your husband, enjoying some real adult conversation, when suddenly you realize that you've reached over and started to cut his steak for him. And, and you know, there's lots of things that our mothers have taught us, too. For instance, mothers teach us to appreciate a job well done. If you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning. Our mothers taught us about religion. You better pray that comes out of the carpet. Our mothers taught us about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. Our mothers taught us logic. Because I said so, that's why. Our mothers taught us about foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. Our mothers taught us about irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. Our mothers taught us about the science of osmosis. Shut your mouth and eat your food. (laughs) I like that one too. Our mothers taught us about stamina. You sit there until all that spinach is gone. Our mothers taught us about the weather. This room of yours looks like a tornado went through it. Our mothers taught us about the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out of this world. Our mothers taught us about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. Our mothers taught us about envy. There are millions of less fortunate children in this world who don't have wonderful parents like you do. Our mothers taught us about anticipation. Just wait until your father gets home. And our mothers taught us about receiving. You're going to get it when you get home. Our mothers taught us about medical science. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they'll stay like that forever. Our mothers taught us about how to become an adult. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. And our mother taught us about genetics. You act just like your father. 
Our mother taught us about roots. Shut that door behind you. Do you think you were born in a barn? Our mothers taught us about wisdom. When you get to be my age, you'll understand. And our mothers taught us about justice. (laughs) One day you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you. Yeah, on Mother's Day, we can't say enough good things about our mothers, but we try, and God help us if we don't. Well, tomorrow's Mother's Day, the day when families pay special tribute to their moms in all kinds of ways. We take them out to dinner. Maybe we buy them special gifts. But the sad thing is that oftentimes Mother's Day is really just a time when families try to atone for an entire year of neglect and disrespect and for a lack of appreciation. And it shouldn't be that way. Unfortunately, however, it is. Now, most people agree, whether they're believers or not, that we're living in a post-Christian era. Now, that doesn't mean that the church as it is is dead or that Christianity is dead. What it means is that the influence that biblical Christianity once had on our nation and our culture has diminished to a point where it wouldn't be recognized by believers even 100 or 200 years ago. And that includes things like morality, education, social action, and maybe, and most importantly, parenting. Basically, I think what's happened is that secular humanistic reasoning has taken the place of biblical truth when it comes to setting the parameters for the home and for family. By contrast, a believer should be one who sees the home and marriage and parenting as framed within the parameters of God's infallible and authoritative word. Oh, by the way, I'm speaking of the Bible. And the truth of God's word should not only shape our beliefs and our practices in all areas of our lives, but they're absolutes that guide us through life itself. And so our opinions and beliefs are only legitimately biblical to the degree that they line up with the very word of God. And the problem is that today, our minds have become darkened by sin, by secularism, and a lot of folks can't even tell if something's biblical or secular at all. We expect it from the world, but we're actually seeing the same thing within the body of Messiah. The trend that we're seeing is that people are acknowledging the sufficiency of God in the Bible, but they fail to see a need to subject their personal opinions, their reasoning, and their emotions to the guidelines of scriptures in all areas of life, including what happens in the home. We read something like Romans 12:2, which says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we think that only applies to our moral behavior, but not to things like marriage or raising kids. Instead, we leave those things up to pop psychologists and talk show hosts. But all of our relationships, all of our relationships should be directed by the truth of Scripture. Whether it's education, finances, political involvement, our jobs, our marriages, or parenting. And having said all of that, 
Turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs 31. I'm going to be reading from verse 10 to verse 31. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. She buys it from her profits and she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine and pur- fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. So shall she shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Now, before I get into this passage, just two points of interest. Verses 10 to 31 are an alphabetic acrostic in Hebrew. That is, each verse begins with a letter from the Hebrew alphabet according to the order of the Hebrew alphabet. Is God cool or what? And secondly, the word or phrase that's translated as virtuous in the New King James or of noble character in the NIV is the Hebrew word chayil, which literally means strength and valor, and in all ways excellent. And throughout the Bible, this word is translated as able or capable eight times. It's translated as strength ten times. It's translated as valiant 40 times. Basically, what it refers to is moral strength, integrity, and efficiency. Now, as we look through these verses, we get a good understanding of what the writer meant by virtuous. And I personally see at least five qualities here. There might be more, but I just want to talk about five. If you look at verses 11, 12, and 23, you see that she is trustworthy and devoted. She has her husband's confidence, and she enhances his reputation. Secondly, she's a woman of diligence and wisdom. We see that in verses 13 to 19. She's not afraid to work, and she's a wise shopper, and she plans ahead. Third, 
She's a giving person. Verse 20 says she extends her hand to the poor. In other words, she's planned so well and so far ahead and well enough to be able to not only take care of her own family's needs, but also the needs of the poor in her community. Four, she's dependable. We see that in verses 15, 21, 27. When adversity comes, be it bad weather or anything else, you know she's ready and she's got a plan to deal with whatever might come about. And fifth, lastly, she's a woman who loves the Lord. We see that by reading all the verses of this text. She is someone who's guided and directed by God's word and by God's wisdom. Now, ladies, you might read through all of this and say to yourselves, that's not describing a woman, that's describing superwoman. And that's actually a pretty good assessment. It's describing a woman who is living in a supernatural way with a supernatural God, living in a supernatural way with a supernatural God. And it has to be that way because there are a few things, there are rather few things that are more important to society than godly mothers. The Bible is clear in its teaching, both explicit and implicit, that the family is the foundation of society. And while fathers are responsible for the way the family goes, mothers are the glue that holds the family together. And so since moms are so important to the family and society, I want to quickly look at some of the problems they face so the rest of us can really show our appreciation tomorrow and also every other day of the year. First of all, guys, We need to look at motherhood and femininity with respect. And by the way, that's femininity, not feminism. The Bible warns us over and over again about the worldly forces that are constantly at work to get us to adopt the values and attitudes of the world. But again, Romans 12 tells us that we are not to be conformed to this world's you-know-what. We aren't supposed to be shoved into the mold that the world has ready for us. Secondly, 2 Timothy 3, 1-5 says this, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness by denying its power. From such people, turn away. Do you notice what Paul was saying here? He told Timothy that perilous times will come in the last days. Why? Because people will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money. Boasting. Pride, blasphemy, all are sins of pride that come from loving oneself. Disobedience to parents, unthankfulness, they also come from a sense of over-exaggerated self-worth. And it goes on, but this is the world we live in, unfortunately. And so what do you think this does to the woman who by very nature of her creation is geared to needing love and needing affection and needing reassurance? 
What does it do when the husband loves himself more than his wife or when he loves his money, his job, or his position more than his wife? I want you to remember that Satan's first attack once against the wife, and it immediately affected the home. And he still attacks us today, including moms and wives. But then you couple that with the fact that people, sometimes husbands, are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, they're proud, kids are sometimes disobedient, People are unthankful, unloving, and these humanistic, unbiblical ideas and beliefs and behavioral patterns affect the family, and they affect the home, and especially they affect moms because she's the keeper of the home. Now, those of us who are husbands and fathers, we need to take note of this because even though our wives are to be the keepers of the home, we're supposed to be the protectors of the home. In other words... We shouldn't allow these sorts of things to infiltrate our houses and our lives and the lives of our families. We can't do a whole lot about it out in the world, but we can sure make sure that it's not infiltrating into our homes. Let me read to you quickly from Ephesians 5, verses 23 to 29. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Messiah is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Messiah, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, 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 love your wives just as Messiah also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So I think the passage clearly says that husbands are the head of the house, but also it says that we are to love our wives just like Yeshua loves his believers. In other words, we're to love our wives sacrificially. And let me just tell you, if we fail to love our wives like this, what we're doing is disobeying a commandment given to us from God's word, and we are distorting the picture that marriage provides of Messiah and his church to the world. You maybe have heard this saying, as, the, as goes the home, so goes the church, as goes the church, so goes the world. Well, this passage, I believe, comes from that idea. Believing marriage is a picture of Messiah and his church to the unbelieving world. A believer's marriage is a picture of Messiah's marriage to his believing church 
and a witness to the world. And secondly, if we fail to love our love our wives like this, we sin against our wives and our children. Why? Because our kids pick up on our attitudes and on our actions. One thing that gets me more riled up than just about anything else is to see a child disrespect his or her mother. It causes my blood to boil because a lot of times they pick that up from their own dads. And I'll tell you right now, it should not be that way in your house. And it shouldn't be that way in any house. Okay, so again, back to Proverbs 31 from the text. The demands on mothers are awesome, to say the least. They include grocery shopping, preparing meals, sometimes for picky eaters, washing, ironing, house cleaning, caring for the many needs of the family, and on and on and on. And again, we look at that list and we go, that lady that's doing all of these things is probably a basket case. So in the time left, I want to quickly talk about how moms can handle all of this without going ballistic and without losing their minds. We already touched on one important part, and that is the necessity of a loving husband and obedient children. Guys, to love your wife sacrificially means that you help out. Guys, to love your wife sacrificially means that you help out. Guys, to love your wives sacrificially means that you help out. It's not beneath us to do the laundry. It's not beneath us to occasionally do the dishes. Notice how I said occasionally? That shows you that even pastors sometimes have this pull of the world on us where we try to skirt the issue. You know what I mean? Or twist things to suit us. Oh, well. It's not beneath us to do the dishes, either occasionally or if need be, often. So that's one way we can help our wives to be this virtuous woman, by helping out around the house. Secondly, and this one is on the wives and the moms, and that is they need to have their priorities straight. In Luke chapter 10, we read the story of Mary, Martha, and Yeshua. Yeshua had come to their house. Mary found time to sit at his feet, to be near him and learn from him, while Martha got involved in busy work around the house. And she found plenty of things to do, things that she didn't have to get done and could have left alone so that she could be alone with Yeshua. Now, she would have never admitted to that, but I think that's what's implied in the passage. Then she even complained to the Lord about Mary's unwillingness to join her in her sin. Now, I hope everyone realizes that this is the same Mary that goes to the tomb and is the first person to see the resurrected Lord. She was then commissioned to be the very first evangelist. Yes, Yeshua told her to go and tell others. And what we learn from that is that moms need to make Mary's priority their own priority. It doesn't mean that they ignore the other duties of motherhood. What it means is they prioritize and have their priorities straight. And on the flip side, mothers who end up making Martha's priorities their own end up like Martha. They find themselves full of resentment, self-pity, and tension. Yeshua himself took time to pray and be alone with his heavenly Father. 
Moms, do you find yourself so busy that you don't take time to sit at the feet of the Lord and listen to his word and take your burdens and cares to him? The Bible makes it pretty clear that no wife or husband or mom or dad can be the kind of spouse or parent that God has called them to be without the Lord's help. In fact, Messiah said, Without me, you can do nothing. So as we close, let's look at the last two verses. Verses 30 and 31. The woman who finds her value in her looks will either have so much plastic surgery and Botox done that she'll end up looking like something out of a horror show, or she will devalue her worth to the point of self-loathing because age and gravity eventually sets in on all of us. But the woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Dear ones, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The woman who fears the Lord doesn't have to toot her own horn. She doesn't have to brag. She doesn't have to boast about what she's accomplished. Her very own works praise her. People will see it. People will know it. And her children will rise up and call her blessed. And her husband will praise her. So moms, I just want to encourage you this Shabbat day. God does not call you to be perfect. He calls you to walk in his perfection. It's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit, declares the Lord. So take time to sit at the master's feet. In other words, take time to get into the word of God. Take time to make time for prayer. Take time to read the Bible, to study the Bible, to learn the Bible, maybe even to memorize parts of the Bible. Wouldn't it be cool if not just the moms in this room, but everybody in this room decided to memorize one verse of Scripture every day? Guess what? God will use that verse in your or someone else's life in times to come, I promise you. You do that, and before long, you're fine. You'll find, rather, that you're living the Bible instead of just reading it. Moms, compare what God's Word says with what the world says. And if they differ, reject the world's point of view. And lastly, keep your eyes firmly fixed on Yeshua. Lay aside every weight of sin that so easily comes upon us and look unto the author and the finisher of your faith. To all the moms here this morning, God bless you, thank you, and happy Mother's Day. Amen.